Welcome to the Wake and Take Podcast. On today's show, we recap the Vikings' horrendous loss, 40-23, to to the now 1-5 Atlanta Falcons. We talk about what went wrong, all the narratives moving forward, what needs to change, and our thoughts kind of on Twitter, basically, what was going on last night of the fire, Mike Zimmer crowd, and, and then today on the radio stations, and all of our reaction from that game. Then we talk go for football, little bit of a preview, but our big preview show will be on Thursday, uh, getting ready for that game next Saturday against Michigan. Then we talk Sid Hartman, who tragically passed away at 100 years old on Sunday afternoon, and some of the legacy that he left behind. Hit it, Zachary. There is a house in New Orleans They call the rising sun And it's been a ruin of many a poor boy And God, I know I've won And welcome to the show BG, another really tough week. Vikings looked as bad as we've seen them look really in the Mike Zimmer era as far as I can remember, falling to 1-5 after losing 40-23 to to the now 1-5 Atlanta Falcons. And the wheels fell off completely on this team on Sunday and really on the season. Kirk Cousins was horrendous. He was as bad as I've ever seen him. Uh, we couldn't do anything offensively. We couldn't throw. We couldn't run. Defensively, we were terrible couldn't stop the Atlanta offense at all we couldn't get off the field on third downs I mean everything that we had built uh built up with this defense over the last three weeks and gotten to the where we got to last week which was a one point loss to an undefeated Seattle Seahawks team on Sunday night football and to have all of that momentum it just completely go out the window uh was was tragic and was really tough to see and when you see a team play as poorly as they did and really get the doors blown off by one of the worst teams in the NFL. The the reaction was valid. Uh, the fire Mike Zimmer, the fire Spielman, the cut or trade, uh, Kirk Cousins, and really cutting isn't an option, and we'll get into that later. Trading might be if you give a bunch of first-round picks, but Kirk Cousins, really nothing you can do about him. You got him locked up uh, for the rest of this year and then next year. And then after that season, you can think about cutting him. But let's start with the Mike Zimmer stuff, BG, and just give your reaction uh, to Sunday's performance. It's crazy how much one game can impact an organization, and we clearly see that with the horrendous loss uh, to the Atlanta Falcons this past Sunday. Zimmer's on the hot seat. Spielman's on the hot seat. Our OC's on the hot seat. Pretty much everybody is. Kirk Cousins talking about it, that if he – continues playing like this, he's not going to be the starter at the end of the year. And if he keeps playing like this, he shouldn't be. But to go 1-5 and five and lose to arguably the worst team in the NFL, maybe if the Jets weren't in the league, um, I, I thought this was by and far our worst loss of the year, even after a horrible game against the Colts. But against the horrible, winless Falcons team at the time, worst, one of the worst defenses in the league, second worst in pass defense, and we really can't do anything on them. It's just embarrassing. And we have far too much talent to be one in five 
um, with the guys we have on our roster, even though some aren't healthy with the guys that we have, we should be able to beat teams like this. So something has to change or else it's going to be the, we make the playoffs once every three years or two out of three years and going in the wild card round or go out in the first round of the playoffs because the Vikings are better than that. And with Kirk Cousins uh, behind the helm for our offense and our team, I just don't think that's going to happen. And it's not Kirk's fault completely, but Kirk, we have to figure out that situation. And we just extended his contract, which is not a good look. So the front office is going to change around too, but just another very disappointing Sunday for a Vikings fan and just a, a classic Sunday. Yeah. I mean, even when, when you look at the reaction to, to that performance and you see the people saying fire Mike Zimmer, who I could not disagree with more. And originally I'm like, what are you talking about? And then you just kind of think about how poorly they played to one of the, if not the worst team uh, in the NFL, just getting the doors blown off. I mean, you can be, you can sit there and say, okay, that's, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree, but that's valid. When when you get the doors blown off in every single position group besides maybe the wide receivers had a bad day. I mean, when every single position group, I'm talking about from offense to defense to special teams. I mean, we couldn't make a play anywhere. I mean, Dan Chesna in the second quarter, in the second half, ball goes right out of his hands on the kickoff. I mean, they're giving up big returns on, on kickoff multiple times chance to turn everything around to start that second half in and out of the arms. And then obviously we, we know what the offense and defense did, but we just couldn't make a play anywhere. And when that happens, yeah, it's valid to blame the head coach, but looking at the record of Zimmer over the last seven seasons and what he's done with this team and the players he has and the defense he's built over the last seven seasons, this has been the worst season by far, but it would be really hard and it would be a shocking move if the Will family decided to fire Mike Zimmer. But if they don't, if they play like that a handful of times more, and maybe even just once more, I could see them firing Zimmer because that was a complete embarrassment and disgrace uh, to Mike Zimmer and to this football team. Yeah, and it's going to trickle down a lot more to the players, maybe not getting cut with some of the contracts that we have on the team. But if they keep performing like this, they're not going to be on the field and we're going to put some more young guys in and, I guess the season is pretty much all over for us going one and five now instead of going two and four to the bye week. But put in the young guys as we declare that the season's over and get ready for the long-term plan. But it's just, it's sad and it's embarrassing to see, like you said, I think Justin Jefferson was probably the only player and Eric Kendricks because he had, I think it was 11 tackles and he's Mm -hmm. just consistent. But those are the only two Vikings who played well and pretty much everybody else played horrible. They didn't play okay or mediocre they played horrible and some of it I think had to do with the play calling I think we kind of shifted our entire game plan with Delvin Cook being out when we have I think one of the best backup running backs in the league with Alexander Madison and we shifted our entire game focus and our game plan away for that reason and we ultimately didn't perform so that's a big part of it but when the players don't perform and we have play calling that I don't know. It has not been successful in the past. It's a recipe for disaster. And this is a business, NFL's business. Somebody's going to have to pay for this and it's going to be not playing or getting fired. And whether it's by the end of the season, um, during the last, I guess, 11 games of the season now, or 10 games of the season or after the season, I think we're going to see a lot of movement and a lot of players and personnel shifting around. Yeah. 
Uh, I agree that something's got to give. I think the first thing to give will will be Gary Kubiak, and I don't think he'll necessarily be fired, but I would say his play, him as the play caller cannot go forward for much longer. I mean, I, I was a big proponent of him taking over the reins this year full-time, and I was very excited and optimistic that he would uh, do what he did in, in Denver and other places with with Mike Shanahan a long time ago and winning Super Bowls and calling great offensive games and controlling the ball with, like what he did with that great defense uh, behind him in Denver. The the style of play seemed to match perfectly with this Vikings team, and it's just been horrendous. And, and granted, our best player hasn't played a snap all season in Daniil Hunter, and the defense has been significantly worse because of that, and that does definitely affect the way you p- call games. And when Kirk Cousins throws an interception on the first play of the game, that looks like a rookie quarterback mistake. I mean, there's not a lot you can do from that point going forward to have confidence in him to make any plays. I mean, you're Gary Kubiak, and the first play that you probably practiced all week and you've got dialed up, ready to go, should be a safe play, good play. Kirk Cousins got plenty of time in the pocket, good protection. He just stares down Justin Jefferson and basically throws the same exact interception he did a week ago. And it was all downhill from there. And there was never a chance to win from that point on. And it wasn't because of that one play that we lost. I mean, it was that, and then two more interceptions, and then everybody else sucking basically besides a couple of players. But there was just so much, so much wrong with that game. And it's hard to imagine Mike Zimmer making it out of this season with them playing like that. But I think the first thing to change, like I said, will be Gary Kubiak as the play caller. I like to see Clint Kubiak, his son, uh, get an opportunity to call some plays or maybe bring in somebody else entirely. I mean, they haven't been afraid to do that in the past. We've had, it feels like, a million different offensive coordinators in the last five years. So I would like to see a change at that at that position right now. Uh, but as far as Zimmer and firing Zimmer right now, I'm just going to go through kind of his record with Minnesota and what he's done in the last seven years here. So he's 60 and 46 with one tie, uh, which is a winning percentage of about 56.5%. He's been in the playoffs three times and has a record of two and three. Of course, that includes the Blair Walsh missed field goal uh, lost to the Seattle Seahawks, which you could argue, uh, you know, could have gave him a few more wins in that season. And obviously not that loss. Um, and he has two division titles as well in his seven years. Statistically, he's the third best Vikings coach of all time in terms of win percentage and in terms of number of games. Bud Grant obviously being the number one overall uh, winning percentage. He won almost 60, over 60% of his games with the Vikings. It took us to 11 conference champion, or four conference championships, 11 division, division championships, one league championship. That must have been before the Super Bowl. I don't know. Uh, and then once and zero Super Bowl wins, but got to a couple and lost. Uh, but as far as where Zim ranks in, in terms of all-time coaching, he's basically our third best coach of all time uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. And he's built up a consistent defense. Over the last seven years, we've had a defense that is above average. So they have this ranking. I think it's pro football reference and 0.0 is an average defense. And we've had a 1.1. His first year, we were a 1.1 defense, which is a you know significantly above average. Year two, we were a 4.7. Year three, we were a 3. Point, uh, yeah, year three, we were a 3.6. Year four, we were a 6.8. Year five, we go down to a 1.8, still well above average defense. Uh, year six, 
we go to 2.9. And now this year, we're at negative 3.7. So the only year uh, that he's having a below average defense is this year. And so can you really fire your defensive-minded coach off of one bad season? And in a season when there's a pandemic and you have a huge turnover, I mean, talk about a perfect storm of having a huge turnover of defensive players, having a ton of young secondary come in, and we would think we'd have an advantage in that role, we being the Minnesota Vikings, because we have one of the best secondary coaches in the league in Mike Zimmer. I mean, he's done it time and time again and developed really good corners out of fourth, fifth, second, first, even third-round draft picks and even undrafted guys. So we like that matchup, getting a bunch of young guys with Mike Zimmer. But then the pandemic hits. He doesn't really have a normal offseason at all. And imagine trying to coach these 20-something-year-old kids how to play corner without having any sort of contact with him. I mean, that's nearly impossible. And so I think you can't really judge him based off this year. And I know I'm making excuses for Mike Zimmer. He doesn't probably need me to make excuses for him. Uh, But I think there's enough on his resume and his record where it would be very hard to fire him. And granted, they did extend him three months ago. So I don't see them firing Mike Zimmer. But I'm curious your take on that, BG. Yeah, I don't think – I don't think Mike Zimmer should be fired. I think he is by far in the top majority of NFL head coaches in the league. Um, I think that he has a, a lot to deal with this season, even beyond COVID, with just the shift of the defense with uh, Linval leaving, with pretty much all our cornerbacks and uh, Nickel leaving, and then the guys that we do have, Daniel Hunter's hurt, Michael Pierce opts out. Uh, Barr has been out for pretty much the whole season. So it's a really rough shape for the team, especially and defensively. Hughes, yeah. And Mike Hughes can't stay yeah, on Mike, the field. Mike Hughes hurt too. And it's just so young, um, not experienced guys. And we've had one of the toughest schedules in the NFL so far this season, going against d- dynamic offenses like the Packers, the Seahawks, the Falcons too, although they're a horrible team, they have great offense. And our next game is against the Packers too. So we have drawn the short end of the straw um, and gone against really tough offenses, which make makes Zimmer look worse and makes the Vikings obviously look worse as you've seen the first six weeks. But I do think he is upcoming on the hot spot or the hot seat, mm-hmm. rather, yep. uh, depending how the rest of the season goes, because we are a very talented team and we should in no way be one in five. Although we have had the tough schedule, we should have beat Seattle and we should have beat Tennessee, two outstanding teams. So we're far better than this. And Zimmer is a great defensive mind, like you said, but he is horrible with time management. Mm -hmm. And it's come to bite us a couple of times. Um, Some play calling and just being a part of that decision for those fourth downs are questionable. Me personally, I've supported them, as we talked about last week. But now is the time where, yeah, Mike Zimmer has done phenomenal things for the Vikings in the past. But, I mean, it's the present right now. And we have guys on big contracts, Daniel Hunter, um, Harrison Smith, guys who are going to be, be on the team for the next three years. And I don't know if, if Zimmer doesn't coach his way out of this uh, at the end of the season, then I guess I'd have to see how that contract talk uh, with Zimmer goes now that he's extended. But with the guys on the team and the roster, I hope that a couple of years from now when we rebuild or a, even a year from now that we are ready to make the playoffs again. And I don't know if Zimmer is um, – his expertise, or I guess his spotlight is in the past now. Hopefully it's not in moving forward. He continues to be successful, but with this season, there's so many different things to factor in, but 
he is not performing well and he is underperforming his job just like almost every single person on the Vikings. Yeah. Here's his last seven seasons, the 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 records. So seven and nine is first year. We're eleven and five year two, eight and eight year three, uh, thirteen and three year four, eight, seven and one year five, ten and six uh, year seven, and now one and five uh, here in year eight. It reminds me a lot of, of kind of Mike Tom uh, Mike Tomlin's uh, record with Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they have, I think under Tom, I don't have it in front of me right now. I was looking at it earlier today. But they've had a number, uh, obviously a Super Bowl championship in year two of Tomlin's time there, which helps give him credibility, I guess, and, and kind of allows for that those bad seasons to happen. But after they won a Super Bowl, Tomlin's gone three years in Pittsburgh of going 8-8. Eight and eight. And I know they made the playoffs on a couple of those years, so that also helps. But he's had some bad years, and he's had some really good years as well. They're 5-0 and oh this year. And – I think what the Steelers do and what a few other organizations do is they give their coaches a lot, a lot of time. They, they almost never fire their coaches. And I think that says a lot about just consistency and having year in and year out, having a consistent team and knowing what you're going to get on the field. And I think Zimmer provides that. I think if you judge them based on five games or six games now uh, in a pandemic year, it would be a very rash decision to fire him in this bye week or coming out of this bye week. Yeah. And people, people just love to overreact when stuff happens. When the Vikings lose a game, uh, people are saying fire Zimmer after this game, this past game, people are saying bench cousins. Well, who are you going to bench cousins for? And who's going to be the new head coach? If we get rid of Mike Zimmer, regardless of all the contract stuff, that doesn't make sense there, but, like, who's going to be the head coach that fills in when we have Mike Zimmer gone? Whoever it is, it's going to be a drop-off for sure mm-hmm. um, right away. So it's people love to overreact, and right now I'm saying Zimmer it might be uh, coming up on that hot seat, but I think right now absolutely there's no way you even start that discussion of firing him. Yeah. I think, I think you're definitely right, though. The seat is warming. It's probably on low right now, uh, but it's getting up there. It's getting a little hotter for sure. And, and to kind of touch on the Kirk Cousins, like you mentioned, I mean, and I mentioned it before too, we really have no option of cutting him. I mean, it would be a $41 million cap hit if we cut him this year. That's not an option in the NFL, even with the magic we've had in the front office working around cap uh, situations the last couple of years. You cannot take a $41 million cap hit. Now, an option may be to trade him, but who are you going to convince to take Kirk Cousins and what are you going to have to give them alongside Kirk Cousins just to get rid of him? I mean, they're going to have to give him a hell of a deal uh, to get rid of Kirk Cousins in that contract. And the other option would be to try to maybe draft somebody in this coming year. You know, if you if you continue to play this poorly and Trevor Lawrence is an option, which I don't think he will be. I mean, I don't think we're going to be worse than the Jets at the end of the year. And there's so many teams right now that are one and five with us. It's hard to imagine the Vikings actually getting uh, a top one or two pick and getting the quarterback, uh, a generational quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. But so I really don't think you can put your eggs in that basket. Uh, but but at the end of the day, we're stuck with Cousins really for the end of this year. Sean Mannion isn't an option like you mentioned, and so we're just stuck with Cousins. He was horrible this last Sunday. I don't think Cousins is going to be that bad. You know, for the rest of the season, I think that's a pretty safe bet uh, to make that Cousins isn't going to throw three interceptions in the first half of every game. But if he does, then you do have to bench him 
And then you got to start thinking about bringing in other quarterbacks because if you really have no confidence in Sean Mannion, then let's start looking to other teams and other quarterbacks and trying to find somebody uh, to fill and just find some excitement. And then on the offensive line, start mixing things up. You're 1-5 and five going into the bye week. You're going to play the Packers and probably get destroyed at Lambeau Field. So why not start mixing things up? Let's throw Ezra Cleveland out at left tackle. Let's move Reef into one of the guard spots, and let's see how he can play. And let's see if Brian O'Neill can get better. I mean, Brian O'Neill was one of the best tackles in the league last year, and now he's not even in the top 50. I mean, he's playing tremendously worse than he was last season. Uh, for the guy who you know who was the one guy we were kind of looking forward to coming back, Brian O'Neill, right tackle, should be pretty locked up. He's been terrible this year. So, I mean, going forward, it's not a, a team – or in, in a situation where you can make a run for the playoffs right now, I think you sit Daniel Hunter for the rest of the year. I think you sit Dalvin Cook for as long as you can. And I think you start resting the guys you want to rest. If if you can start making up injuries for Kendricks to keep him healthy, I think that's what you do. And you just move guys around, play all the young guys, see who gets better. And I think Jeff Gladney and Dantzler, they showed some bright spots. I mean, they both can make good tackles in the open field. They showed some vulnerabilities in their pass coverage, and they've also made good plays in the pass coverage. So I just think you start playing the young guys, start throwing everybody at different positions and see what sticks, and you try to build for next season. Hopefully you play as well as possible while still losing as many games as possible so you can get the best drift, draft pick possible. Yeah, I'm with you. I think at the point we're at in the season right now, every win that we get the remainder of the season hurts us because we're not going to make the playoffs starting off 1-5. and five. And it just worsens our draft pick chances. So, yeah, I agree. The young guys got to get in more. And on the defensive side, for sure, that's already happening. And although Dantzler and Gladney are nowhere near being a starting cornerback as far as talent comes or talent is concerned, they have shown signs of getting better, especially in the run game. Like you said, Dantzler had a number of tackles in the, in the backfield this past Sunday. If we're looking at places to be optimistic, and Gladney is showing some great signs of improvement too. So as, as we've seen so far this season, this season is going to be a long and tough season of improving, which is not fun as a fan, but it needs to be done with these younger guys, and they're putting in the time and getting in the work and getting embarrassed throughout the season. So hopefully they don't get embarrassed next season. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think a realistic draft outlook, I guess, is we're, we're not going to be worse than the Jets, I think. There's probably going to be at least three or four teams below us uh, when it comes time to determining draft order. So uh, we're not going to get Trevor Lawrence most likely. I also don't think we're going to be in the, the race to get Justin Fields. So I think the next quarterback who is on the draft board is Trey Lance out of North Dakota State and from Marshall, Minnesota too. And he is a raw quarterback who's a dual threat who can throw it, who can run it. And he's going to take some time to, I think, come up to a full NFL speed. But when he does, he'll be a great option. And like you said, we can't cut Kirk Cousins. Kirk is probably going to play next season. So just being optimistic here, it could work out pretty well where Kirk plays the majority of the season or at least a good number of games. And Lance gets more comfortable and kind of works out that rawness um, if we if we have the chance to get him. That's a lot of outlook in the future and don't know if it's going to happen but I could see that and I would like that option panning out for us yeah and, and you got to remember we got Michael Pierce rejoining this defense next year as I already look forward to next year but Michael Pierce and hopefully yep. a healthy Daniil Hunter 
uh, on a year's rest, Daniel Hunter. And there's a lot to look forward to next season. And you hope that the rebuild on the fly that they tried this last offseason, I imagine they're going to try that again with the, the all the talent they have on this team. I mean, this isn't a team where you scrap and start over. There's a ton of young talent on this team. So you, you add a few pieces, you get a few guys playing better, and you add build in, in the draft and maybe grab a, a tackle in free agency. And you're right back to where you were two seasons ago, beating uh, a Super Bowl contender uh, down at their place in, in New Orleans. You know, I mean, they're not that far away uh, from being a good, a really good team. BG, anything else Minnesota Vikings related before we move to uh, just a little gopher preview? Nothing Vikings related, but I do have one quick NFL thing. Yep. Um, the Miami Dolphins were favored in their game this past Sunday for the first time since 2018. Oh. Which is just crazy. And they ended up winning. So go Dolphins. Good for them. Wow. That's unbelievable. That is an incredible stat. Um, yeah. Let's move on. Another great stat here, actually. We're moving on. Gophers getting back to back home games. ESPN game day at back-to-back home games going back to last season. So the last time we played at TCF Bank, Wisconsin Badgers were in town. ESPN game day was in town. And our first game, first home game of the season, will be against Michigan on Saturday. ESPN college game day will again be there. No fans this time. They're going to set up their stadium or set up their uh, set from inside the stadium. It'll be an ABC 630 kickoff. Herb Street, Chris Fowler. I mean, that's the first. It's the first time we've ever gotten game day and the the prime time spot on ABC. So I mean, there's so much to be excited about. Uh, go for football related BG. Yeah, I cannot wait, especially with the the team that we're going to have now ranked 21st in the nation and Bateman obviously coming back. We have Tanner Morgan. We have good running backs. Uh, pretty much everybody's still going to be there from last season, except Tyler Johnson and Winfield, which are two big blows but definitely a bright spot to look ahead for as a Minnesota football fan when you have the Vikings playing like they have. So it'll bring a bright spot to the weekend for sure, and I'm excited to see the Gopher season start and hopefully get a huge win over Michigan and uh, start off where we ended last season. Yes, sir. It's going to be a fun one, and we're going to be riding with the Gophers the rest of the season now with Vikings football basically on the back burner uh, for, yep. for the rest of 2020. Uh, final note here, BG, Sid Hartman passed away on Sunday during the Vikings game. Sid Hartman, 100 years old, worked for the Star Tribune since 1944, a legend uh, among Minnesota. Just listening to K-Fan today and the different hosts talking about him. Uh, it, it sounds like he was really, I mean, I, I the number of stories he posted with the Star Tribune was incredible. His His loyalty throughout... Uh, however many years that is, you know, six eighty some years almost uh, that he worked for the Star Tribune and, and the thousands and thousands of stories and big time celebrities. I mean, they talked about when any big celebrity would come to Minnesota, they say, "Where's Sid Hartman?" When when Prince before he'd go on stage, uh, there was a story today. I can't remember who was telling it uh, about Prince stopping and turning around and talking to Sid Hartman for five minutes and making everybody on stage or at the concert wait for him to talk to Sid Hartman before he went on and performed. And Al Michaels, when he gets to town, he goes to to dinner with Sid Hartman. And just unbelievable story after story of big-time celebrity and all 
they could talk about was how hard he worked and how how loyal he was to to the people he covered and to the athletes that he covered. And Bud Grant was on today telling stories on Dan Barrero uh, about his relationship uh, with Sid Hartman. And just some of those stories were incredible. I, I encourage you to go listen to that on KFAN. Uh, I think they have it podcasted on iHeartRadio. Uh, just some incredible stories from Bud Grant talking about it, just his relationship with Sid Hartman and how many things he would tell Sid that wouldn't get reported. And it was just kind of cool to hear that story. So Sid Hartman, a legend. And we're going to try to have Dave Schwartz call here next week uh, and kind of give his take from working with Sid and, and not directly at the same company, but just in the Minnesota media. Uh, and Sid Hartman is an absolute and was an absolute legend uh, around the entire country in sports journalism. That'll do it for this week. We'll be back or for the, this episode rather we'll be back later this week on thursday with a full preview of the gophers and michigan game next saturday so full preview this thursday we'll break down all of that and pick segment as well for the upcoming week see you guys all later this week so she said what's the problem baby what's the problem i don't know well maybe i'm in love love think about it every time i think about it. i can't stop thinking about it how much longer will it take to cure this? Just to cure it, cause I can't ignore it. If it's love, love makes me wanna turn around and face me, but I don't know nothing about love. Uh, come on, come on, turn a little faster. Come on, come on, the world will follow after. Come on, come on, cause everybody's after love. So I said, I'm a snowball running. Running down into the spring that's coming on this love, love Melting under blue skies, melting at sunrise, shimmering love Well baby I surrender to the strawberry ice cream Never ever ever all this love Well I didn't mean to do it but there's no escaping your love uh-huh. These lines of lightning mean we're never alone, never alone No, no, come on, come on, move a little faster Come on, come on, I wanna hear you whisper Come on, come on, settle down inside my love Come on, come on, jump a little higher Come on, come on, if you feel a little lighter Come on, come on, we were once upon a time in love Accidentally 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 in love I'm 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 in love Accidentally I'm in love 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 Accidentally I'm in love 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 Accidentally, come on, come on, spin a little tighter. Come on, come on, the world's a little brighter. Come on, come on, just kiss yourself inside her love.